this is for professional and institutional clients only. At the end of 2019, we were in a really bad way in Sydney and most of New South Wales in that it wasn't raining. We had bushfires in wide parts of the state and our water storages were dropping dramatically. Welcome to the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast, Keeping It Real Assets. In this series, you will hear from the Igneo investment team in conversation with the leaders of our global infrastructure businesses. We will shine a light on how they operate and their approach to the challenges of an ever-changing world. We hope that you enjoy listening. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Keeping It Real Assets. My name is Danny Latham, and I am a partner and head of Australia and New Zealand at Igneo Infrastructure Partners. The focus of today's podcast is the Australian water sector, and specifically one of our portfolio companies, Connexa Infrastructure Partners. We reside in the driest inhabited continent on Earth, and therefore water scarcity and security is front of mind. I'm pleased to introduce Kurt Dahl, who took up the CEO role of Connexa in January 2022. We appreciate you sharing your perspectives on the evolution of the water sector. But before we dig in, can you give us some personal insights on your journey to become CEO of Connexa? So my involvement in the water sector has been for nearly 30 years now in a different variety of roles. But for the last 20 or so years, I've been heavily focused on the higher end treatment solution. So using membrane technology in particular to treat wastewater, desalination, treat drinking water and make recycled water. In January 2022, I came on as CEO of Conexa. We want to get in and create solutions that add the most value for our customers. And we do that by having this deep working knowledge of how that infrastructure is put together, what makes it tick. And as an engineer, by training, those things really appeal to me. Water scarcity and water security go hand in hand. All countries are facing challenges around their environmental footprint. Wastewater discharges to the environment have a cumulative effect over time. So I guess the first thing you had to address was, do I have a safe, secure drinking water supply? The second thing you need to address is what's my wastewater discharge? What impact is that having on the environment? And I think also globally, the technology that is deployed to address some of those challenges is always increasing in complexity. I look at what you might have been able to do 30, 40 years ago to make drinking water. That's a very different solution these days. Same for a wastewater treatment plant. So complexity is interwoven into that water scarcity, wastewater treatment, environmental footprint. So maybe for the benefit of the audience globally, just an overview of how the industry is structured here, public ownership, private ownership. We've seen PPP models in other jurisdictions over the years. Just a brief comment on that. Predominantly, the Australian market is served by public utilities, whether that's water or wastewater. They range in scale from very large state-owned corporations through to local government. 
You can imagine that the population in Australia is also very spread out. So we have very small assets that service regional communities to very large assets that service our big cities. In terms of public and private ownership, there are a range of privately owned assets that do support that public provision of services that's commonplace in desal or waste water plants and things like that, recycled water plants that Conexa owns. So it's a blend, Danny. It's not a one-size-fits-all, but depending on the needs of the area, a infrastructure servicing solution has morphed over time. And we've seen globally various jurisdictions are in various stages of replacing and refurbishing the infrastructure stock and all sort of catering for growth. How do you assess, particularly in a post-COVID world, one, the investment need for that replacement and refurbishment, and two, the ability of governments to meet those funding requirements? We look at the forecast, the capital expenditure for the public utilities. We are seeing on average a two or three hundred percent increase in their capital spend over the next five to ten years. And that's just to deliver core services. So safe drinking water, compliant wastewater. But also on the agenda for those businesses, and again it's a society expectation, is more aspirational services, whether that is water for cooling and greening recycled water, uh, treating of organic waste, recovery of nutrients. And at Connexa, we are actively working with those public utilities to provide some of those more aspirational, maybe non-core, still essential, but non-core services, because those public water utilities most definitely need to concentrate on that two or 300% increase in their core capital spend. And we want to be able to partner with them to deliver those important but aspirational needs. A recent Australian Water Association survey, just picking out a couple of the results from that survey, we're talking about 57% of respondents were concerned about running out of water. 60% were concerned about the quality of drinking water. And 33% cited the low adoption of recycled water as a key challenge preventing a sustainable water future. I guess a lot of those sort of feedback go back into that water stress, water scarcity, water security point. Bringing it closer to home in the case of Conexa, how do you see Conexa working within the water industry and solving some of those challenges? We're sitting in Sydney here today as we do this podcast and I reflect on what's happened in Sydney over the last four or five years. So at the end of 2019, We were in a really bad way in Sydney and most of New South Wales in that it wasn't raining. We had bushfires in wide parts of the state and our water storages were dropping dramatically. What subsequently happened was it then didn't stop raining for two years from February 2020 through till just recently. We had record rainfalls. So when you think about water security, it's not about investing in 2019 and stopping in 2020. It's about incremental investment in water security and recycled water by displacing potable water gives you that resilience. So when those dry periods come, you have a water supply that is diverse and resilient is the way to summarise it. And where Conexa feeds into that is we're already a very large recycled water producer. We make around about 10 billion litres a year of recycled water for a variety of end uses. We work with a range of customers, whether they're industrial customers, corporates, public utilities, local government, 
to design fit for purpose recycled water solutions that are incremental to what's already there. What you mustn't do to get water security is wait till it's dry and then spend lots of money. That doesn't work. It must be this incremental investment and we work every day to deliver those investments. That time you talk about, Kurt, in terms of the millennium drought and the dry period that we encountered here, I recall, I guess, putting it into a a financial context. Moody's actually had the state on ratings watch negative to give you a sense as to how fundamental water is and water security is not only sort of our own personal lives, but also economic outcomes for the state. And so moving forward, one of the challenges always when it comes to infrastructure is that mismatched timeframes between politics and investing and planning. How do you see working through those paths to try and marry those different objectives in terms of timelines? We've seen the various governments talk to water security and some of those multi-generational investments, so large dams or large desal plants, and they will be needed as part of our portfolio of water supply options. And we were happy to participate in those uh, large desal plants and things like that. But that incremental investment that I talked about is this slow, steady investment. Every year you're investing many millions of dollars in making sure that your water supply matrix is stronger next year than it was the year before. So that's where we see the greatest opportunity is around that incremental investment in water. Just to pick up one point you said there before about the threats to communities and businesses if there's times of water scarcity. We did see that in the Millennium Drought up in Brisbane where the Water Authority did ask business to cut their water consumption by up to 25%. And in many businesses, the only way you cut consumption by 25% is cut the output. If you're making beer or putting out cement or concrete or something like that, you have to dial back your water consumption and you have to do that by cutting production. So it has this really severe impacts in terms of water scarcity. We are coming out of a very wet period and there's now talk of El Nino weather pattern re-emerging and associated droughts and heat wave that come on the back of that. Are we ready? Are we ready? That's a great question. I think the situation was so bad at the end of 2019 that there is significant political memory from that event. We're not ready. We aren't resilient yet. But we have seen the state here in New South Wales and around Australia reset their water strategies to have a much more longer-term view than they had in the past. If you look at Perth, for instance, it stopped raining in Perth 25, 30 years ago. Really major reduction in their well, their rainfall and water that they got from rain. What they did is exactly what I've described so far today, is this incremental investment in climate-independent sources of water, whether it's desal, manage aquifer recharge, things like that. And now they have 80% of their water supply comes from climate-independent sources. So we see other capital cities and other developed areas around the world on that same trajectory. We're not ready yet, but we're in a much better state than we were. In the context of Conexa, a couple of examples of each of the various businesses within Conexa, how that circular economy is manifesting. One of our favourite businesses, or my favourite business, is the Wollonga Basin Water business. It recycles about 6 billion litres a year of recycled water that was otherwise on its way to the ocean. 
it intercepts that water through around 160 k's of pipeline, distributes that water to 250 grape growers, winemakers, and some other smaller irrigation customers. And what's great about that project is that water gives them that water security that I touched on earlier. That water is always there, whether it's raining or not raining. They know that they can rely on that water and they can make investments in their own business with that water security underpinning that. It also keeps the nutrients, so the nutrients that were in that recycled water would otherwise be discharged to the ocean. Nitrogen and phosphorus is now coming back and supporting the growth of those plants. And with a really healthy and vibrant grape-growing region that underpins $600-odd million of economic activity in the output of that, and further to that, another two or $300 million of tourism. So I like to think that our... The Wollonga Basin water business is a great raw material in the health of that local economy. In the context of industrial customers, I guess the Q's business and the growth and development of how that business fits within the Hunter region, which is just to the north of, of Sydney. Kurigang Water, also a great business. It is a, a around 5 or 6% of the Hunter's water supply was previously taken by the customers that we now supply. So by switching those customers to recycled water, great for their region's water security. The second thing that our customers at Kurigang have told us is that they like the sustainability of recycled water. It ties in with their corporate narrative around their business. One of the exciting developments for that part of the world is an emerging hydrogen sector. And when we've talked to those hydrogen sectors and producers that will make that hydrogen, they want to use recycled water. They will use renewable energy to make that hydrogen and they see using recycled water as a fundamental part of what they do as a business. And with our existing assets that we've got there, the skill base that we've got within our business, we're perfect partner for those customers to provide the recycled water and the infrastructure that goes with it. So to give you some sense of scale, Danny, just that single hydrogen opportunity at Kurigan could triple the size of that asset. In terms of the opportunity, are you excited about the Conexa opportunity? Yeah, excited is one word, Danny. I think what we are faced with is probably an endless array of opportunities. So our challenge would be narrowing those opportunities into something that we can execute on. All of those things that I talked about before, water security, circular economy, the hydrogen sector by itself, something like $200 billion of announced hydrogen projects in Australia at the moment. We are not going to be able to be the water service provider for all of those projects, but do we want to be the partner of choice? Most definitely. Thank you very much, Kurt. Appreciated the chat. Great to talk. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real Assets, the Ignio Infrastructure Partners podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by following Ignio Infrastructure Partners on your favourite podcast platform. If you'd like to find out more about Ignio Infrastructure Partners, you can visit our website at igneoip.com. This podcast series was produced by Mark Gardner at OX4 Sound Studio.
This podcast is not a financial promotion and has been prepared for general information purposes only. It is not intended to be investment or financial advice and does not take into account the specific investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. References to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell such securities. Investment vehicles managed by Igneo Infrastructure Partners are only available to institutional investors, professional investors, qualified investors and wholesale clients. They are not available to retail clients, the general public, private customers or any persons in any jurisdiction in which their distribution is not authorised. Igneo Infrastructure Partners is an unlisted infrastructure asset management business and is part of the First Sentier Investors Group. We communicate and conduct business through different legal entities in different locations. Please refer to the notes section of the podcast platform you use for more information on Igneo Infrastructure Partners in your region. For Singapore only, the podcast should be used in accordance with the applicable laws in Singapore. In Singapore, the podcast is issued by First Sentier Investors Singapore, whose company registration number is 196900420D. This advertisement or material has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. First Sentier Investors registration number 53236800B and Igneo Infrastructure Partners registration number 53447928J are business divisions of First Sentier Investors Singapore.